Welcome to Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness with your hosts, Chris Noble and Bill Protzman. In today's episode, we're talking about Stranger Things because, well, Kate Bush's song from the 80s, Running Up That Hill, hit the top 10. How could we let all of that go by without unpacking some of it? Alongside the amazingness that is the music behind Stranger Things, we also dive into the music in dreams. Do your dreams have a soundtrack? The brain's theta state and the power of intention when using music. It's truly beautiful to watch the influence of music in popular culture and to observe how consciousness has evolved as a result. So this is your invitation to jump into a time machine and reflect with us on the not-so-distant past. We'll be talking about all that and much, much more, as always, in these open conversations here on Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness. So we have to talk about... Even though it's fictional, we have to talk about Stranger Things and the music that's in there. Fantastic soundtrack. I mean, it's you can get the whole soundtrack, all the songs on Spotify, stuff like that. And they really have given such incredible attention to the music and how it's used. And uh, spoiler alert, we might say some things about the latest season here. (laughs) Chris hasn't seen it, so I'm going to be careful. Yeah, so just for you listening, I haven't seen it either. So Bill's going to spoil it for a little bit of us. But I think it's important. I don't think anything major is going to get revealed. Um, And I think it's really great to talk about pop culture references like Stranger Things when we're talking about music and consciousness and all these things because it's just something tangible that we can... You know, art art is great for that. It's just to to use as a as a reference point for everyone to kind of understand these crazy big concepts we sometimes tackle here on on the show. <laughs> this is this is so crazy because I'm going to dance around a lot of it. But uh, let, let's start with the obvious. So, okay. Kate Bush's "Running Up That Hill" is I don't know. It's from the '80s, right? It's a while ago. But thanks to Stranger Things, it's now in the top ten. Wow. And there's a huge, beautiful reason for this. And this is where it's going to be tough to do the spoiler alert. But so we'll just set the whole thing up because you've been listening to Chris and me for a while here. And we're talking about how music relates and how it works. And, you know, physiologically, it helps us out. So Stranger Things, of course, um, a lot of it takes place in the imagination. And one of the cool things about the imagination is how closely it's tied into real life. I know that's really weird to say, but in Stranger Things, the two are almost the same. You know, there's times when you're an upside down right. and it feels real. And the real question is, of course, are you there? And, and I think Stranger Things would say, yes, you, in fact, you are there. Physically, you are in the upside down. It's not just a, a terrifying figment of your imagination. Right. It's a real thing. Uh, the idea, though, is that you can manipulate that, that upside down. And in the latest season of Stranger Things, that's done really successfully in this sequence where a character is dragged into the upside down. I won't tell anybody what it is. And then is able to get out of that with music. Cool. And it's, it's done so well. So I've already given you the, the huge spoiler for the first four episodes that music is so key here, but we had to go back and watch that last, that key episode. We had to watch it twice to actually figure it out what they were doing in order to align music for this. And this has happened before in Stranger Things. If you're a close watcher, you'll notice that it's happened before and, and music is just there. So um, we've talked about this before, your favorite songs are your most powerful, right? 
And in this sequence, Kate Bush's song is used to rescue one of the characters, to get them back out of the upside down. Now the song doesn't really have anything to do with what's going on there. It just happens to be like the favorite song of this character, right? And that's significant because, well, you know, you'd kind of think given popular culture that, you know, if you were feeling down, you'd play a happy song, right? Right. And that is definitely not what happens in this. I mean, the character is catatonic, but music is able to get through. So let's just start there because this is so cool and so weird to me. So you ever had a dream where music is in the dream? Oh, yeah. I haven't had any dreams like that. And I'm in music, right? But I haven't had dreams where the music is there. So tell us about it like a dream where the where there was music, because I haven't experienced that. And I'm really curious what it's like, you know, in real life, not in Stranger Things. Oh, I mean, like for me, I'll even have dreams where I'm playing music. Um, yeah. So there's music in that tangible sense of like performance. Sometimes it's before performance that I'm dreaming of it not going well, perhaps. And uh, Yeah, that, I've had know. that, but I've never played, right? Mm. I'm like terrified to play, so I've never played. Okay, so. yeah. So I, I mean, I've, I've played before. Music is, uh, it feels very natural in the dream, of course, much like most things in the dream. But some some things, even in the dream, you're like, well, that's kind of crazy, you know. But music feels pretty uh, pretty normal, if anything, um, almost so normal that, uh, yeah, it adds like, um, it's it's kind of almost like a layer. Sometimes I wonder, like, if I could go back into some of my dreams and actually see, I'm like, is there a soundtrack playing in the dream? Yeah. It's not like, you know, not even like there's a, a song that I'm listening to in the dream, but an actual, almost like in a movie where there's a background score right, playing right. in your dream. I, I honestly wonder, I'm, now that you've brought this up, because I don't think I've ever thought about this ever built before. So now that you've brought it up, I'm really curious for my next dreams. So I'm going to start paying attention <laughs> to that. Yeah, I mean, I'm really curious. Is there like a song you recognize? Is it just ambient sound? Is it like a movie soundtrack, you know, that's kind of building to a some climax? I, I mean, I really, I feel like such, so ignorant on this because I just don't have either, I don't remember or don't have music in my dreams. Hmm, it's really weird. Now, yeah. if somebody plays music and wakes me up, that's a different thing. Right. You know, uh, and is that what happens in this show? It wakes up or I guess gets yeah. turned the upside down. Yeah, I mean, obviously the character goes from being catatonic to being okay, you know, and alive and fully conscious of everything that's happened, of course, in the upside down because, you know, all the kids in Stranger Things are amazing. So mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they mm -hmm. don't remember, you know, what happened three days ago, but in the middle of a crazy upside down sequence, they can remember every single detail. So um, that's really cool. But, no, I, sorry, you, you brought, no, no, go, go ahead. Go, I, I, go ahead. I was, I was just butting on myself to give myself another chance to say something, but I haven't anything else to say. So. Well, I, I think uh, what you, what you put into my mind is that when you say catatonic and I, uh, I've had personal experiences and also seen some incredible video footage of people in a catatonic state um, who get music played to them. And again, like you've said many times, you know, specific music that 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 is particular to the individual that um, might resonate with a, a, a moment of childhood perhaps or a point in time when they were their most alive their most mobile youthful whatever and that that music is then played 
uh, to that person. So, for example, I watched a documentary, and I I, I don't think it was. Um, yeah, I'm just going to be blank on the names anyway. Um, Oliver Sacks, Doctor Oliver Sacks. Yeah, did, yeah. Uh, Musicophilia. Yeah. I think he was interviewed in this documentary, uh, and this was one of his patients. I can't remember exactly the details. Regardless, there's an older gentleman, uh, certainly elderly. He's ca- fully catatonic, can barely move, and speak or or anything. No, he's just immobile in, in every sense. And then they give him like his family tells um, the individuals in the documentary as well as the the old age home people uh, that he played in a big, um, I think like a New Orleans kind of big band, um, you know, uh, typical, like, I don't know what instrument, probably a a trumpet or something like that. And he played in this band. It was a big part of his life. He loved it, loved it, loved it. Music was a big part of his life. So they found some songs that he would have played back in the day. And they, they put the headphones on him and they played it. And within several minutes, the thumbs, fingers start to tap arm starts to move, leg starts to move, and he starts to smile. He starts to like move in his chair. And then after like not only maybe 15 minutes of the music, he's he's talking. They interviewed him after this and then you could see him speak and talk and had a life to him. All of a sudden went from being catatonic, catatonic zombie almost to a human, a live conscious human. Uh, with 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 a zest and with like you know real color to their to their speech and to their movement and wow I mean powerful of course to witness that and and just to see what music can do you know in Stranger Things I think it's a great artistic uh, representation of where music penetrates our, our 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 consciousness because it goes beyond the barriers of the brain, when the brain gets hit with things like Alzheimer's, dementia, that's a neurological disorder. And as we know from, you know, from actual scientific clinical studies, um, consciousness is more and more being proven to be non-local, meaning it does not originate in the brain as we used to think. And I think both of us through our own personal experiences know that, but Science is also confirming that it's that consciousness is non-local, and it's really interesting to see how music sidesteps almost these blockades in our brain and taps right into the consciousness of of us, and then our consciousness responds, and then is able to actually transcend or break down those neurological barriers that we originally had, and then life comes back to the body and the body can move. It's animated again. You're, you're doing things. And to think that the only, only ingredient that was added was music <laughs> is yeah. just mind blowing, you know? Well, it's supposed to be, I think it is supposed to literally blow through our minds. <laughs> it's a good point. You're right. Yeah. Literally, you know, to get to whatever it is that it's getting to or to reconnect us maybe to what it's, supposed to connect us to i've had you know i've had the opposite experience where um like listening to chris's 40 hertz work so <laughs> right i i've totally gone into that theta state right yeah and i'm not conscious of the music that's there but i am conscious of it taking me there and then while i don't hear it while i'm in the theta state when i come out of it i hear it again right yeah so mm-hmm. something's happening in there you know, while I'm gone or out or, you know, it's like the do not disturb sign is up. I was, about, I was like, please hold, you know, your brain's yes. like <laughs> processing occurring. But it's, it's like the brain has decided just to shut down there. 
I mean, obviously they measure it and it hasn't, but, but I'm not slow down for sure. It's way slow. Yeah. And you know, I'm not processing input from the eyes. I, I know that I'm playing or the songs playing in my ears, but nothing else that's sensory is engaged. It's like, it's, it doesn't need to, it's like all that stuff just turns off. Okay. Five senses. We take a rest, <laughs> you know, now in, in stranger things, while the character, I'm using catatonic sort of on purpose because I don't want to give away too much of it. Yeah. But this is definitely not a theta state. So this is this is an intense dream state. Right. But um, you know, we're we're allowed to see what's going on in the dream, which feels very much like real life. And instead of music sending that character there, music rescues, you know, the character. And that's really new for me, Chris, because you know, I'm I'm happily going to bliss out into music whenever I can. Great thing, but in a terrifying dream state that music can get through, I, I don't remember the last time I woke up like from a nightmare. Do you? It's like, what wakes us up from a nightmare? Just saying, oh my god, this is crazy! Get me out of this and waking up. <laughs> kind of, I think that's recently I mean, for me. I'd say that's been right, <laughs> right. So there's some like we have some agency. And it's very interesting to me that the Duffer brothers decided to write this so that when the character finds their agency, they realize that they can grab hold of this musical rope, you know, and, and, and pull themselves out. And I mean, I've, I've never had an experience like that. I mean, do you know anybody who's ever had music rescue them from a nightmare? Not from a dream state, you know, I, I mean, also you think about how you would need somebody else to play that because obviously you're not going to be the one to play that music to then get you out of the dream state. So there has to be a, another physical uh, individual involved in that experiment, I guess. And uh, I, I haven't certainly experienced or heard anything of that, but it's interesting, you know, even um, what's what's funny about the dreams dream state is it's in a way it's like is it any different than reality in some senses because when we when we're in a dream Good point yeah you know a dream isn't like you never come you never come back uh, come out of a dream and tell somebody i watched this dream last night it's not a third party perspective you're in the dream yeah. your consciousness is there and you always will say every everyone when they recount a dream they say oh i was walking down the street and then i saw this person and then this happened and then i did that or i went there and you're speaking like present tense or or past tense of first person perspective yeah, you were yeah. you're in it you're 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 physically well you're consciously in that dream state which i know there have been some studies and i know with a certain um where esoteric teachings and and maybe eastern philosophical uh, teachings do talk about the fact that you're traveling to those places with your, you call it astral body or your consciousness yeah. when you're in a dream state. So, you know, it's interesting when, when you're in those states, like I would be curious to see if you could, maybe one way you could maybe do this would be setting your alarm. And instead of it being a typical alarm, it's a song that you know has really powerful properties over you because you would have to pick that very strategically. And then your alarm would be the song and see if that song creeps into the dream and, and pulls you out of it instead of it just being like a, meh, meh, you know, classic alarm yeah. or whatever that would be. Um, and, and maybe see if that 
would do something in your dream states. Cause like, how else would you even conduct that experiment really? Right. You have to have somebody <laughs> you need sitting there just waiting for you to fall into a dream and then boop, click, click the button and play running up that hill or whatever, you know? I know there's research on this out there, which is, you know, sadly I'm uninformed on dream research, but maybe it comes closer to the psilocybin state. You know, that, that sometimes magical, sometimes terrifying level of consciousness where you feel connected to everything. Now, this is, this is not anything like what's in Stranger Things, but I'm just curious because you've had that kind of experience, what music might be applied to that. So let's say you're, you're blissed out on mushrooms. And then somebody comes and puts a headset on and playing the headset is music that triggers you in some way, good, bad, or otherwise. Right. Um, how do you respond to that? I guess is the question. And, you know, for anybody who's listening to this and wants to try that, try it with some music that you love, right? And, or music that you don't, and, and just see what your response is, like an experiment, Yeah. you know, and, and let us know because it's really fascinating to me how we in the conscious world can sort of play with what's happening to folks in the subconscious world, um, not as hypnotists or any other way, but to be able to facilitate that, you know? So if I was yeah. like, you know, in, in a mushroom state and I said, Chris, I want you to play this music, you know, at one hour in or whatever, right. uh, put my headphones on, hit play, right? And if I resist, then don't do it. But, you know, obviously, because I'm curious and then conduct it like a little, hey, you know, what could go wrong if we just play music while we're on mushrooms kind of a thing. Well, right. I mean, I have um, a sort of similar experience where many, 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 many years ago, I was camping with a friend of mine. It's just the two of us. And he did a, a large dose of MDMA and I did mushrooms. No, he did mushrooms and I did MDMA. I can't remember. Um, but either way, both psychedelics and a solid dose of both. And uh, we may have even mixed them, actually. I think that was more ah. accurate. Um, and, you know, I'm not recommending that for people out there. But if you're doing it in microdoses, mixing the two isn't necessarily the worst thing. But, hey, I'm not a doctor and I'm definitely not a specialist in that. So let's not uh, take this um, too, too far here. But I did it and I'm still here. And regardless, the situation was that we were on a solid dose of uh, psychedelics and I was going off into just major bliss, like just feeling incredibly connected, in love with nature, feeling like I was nature, nature is me, all that wonderful stuff that you can feel in psychedelics. And then I was talking to my buddy, we we're having a great conversation, and then I look away for a couple minutes, lost in my own little world as you do on psychedelics, and then I look back to my friend, and he was white as a ghost, like he just lost all the color in his face, and he looked at me, he's like, he had had a couple of what we would what we used to call bad trips. I don't believe in bad trips anymore. I think um, everything that you experience in psychedelics is what you're meant to experience. And I think the we're learning more now, but especially back when I first was doing them, there's just no education on them. And, and certainly the idea of integration or the idea of having depths of like your trauma or d deep fears surface when you're on psychedelics, that's just natural. That stuff happens. And it's not, it's not a bad trip. It's only a bad trip when you, when you have no idea how to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So he was, he looked at me and he's like, Hey man, I'm having a, like a really bad trip all of a sudden. Like I'm going to somewhere really, really dark and really, really scared. And I, and he had had those in the past and was so hesitant to do psychedelics again. And I fully, fully, fully get that. And, um, anyway, he just looked, I saw like such deep fear and like 
in his eyes. And I just, I just, because I was on such a <laughs> sort of like godlike state of consciousness in that moment, I, uh, I just picked up my guitar, like totally in a moment, just feeling so loving and peaceful. I'm like, okay, cool. I didn't panic. I didn't, nothing of the story. Like I just felt like, okay, I'm just going to blast them with like love and reassurance. And I picked up my guitar and I just started strumming, playing some chords. I didn't even, I don't, I wasn't even singing a song. I was just playing the guitar and I was just playing what felt in that moment, like something that was needed, uh, just a couple of different chords in, in a certain progression that felt uplifting, yeah. felt rejuvenating. I may have hummed a little bit to it, but I wasn't even doing like songs per se. I was playing what I felt needed to be played in that moment. And after about 10 minutes of just kind of coaxing him with, with sound and with music, he turned around again and the color was back in his face. And he's just like, oh, I'm good. Like, thank you. Like the music literally acted as like, um, like a lifeline or a, yeah. uh, like a, yeah. a, a, you know, like a flotation device you throw to someone drowning in the water and he was able to grab onto that music and just and just reel himself back into shore, so to speak, and and was able to then and then we ended up having a fantastic time after that. It was just this moment where the music literally saved him; it rescued him from that um, state of consciousness that he really didn't want to have to go into at that moment. And uh, it was really cool to see how music was literally the lifeline in that in that particular circumstance. So uh, again, just a testament to the power of. Uh, the right music at the right time on psychedelics, especially. And even the inspired right music. Yes. I mean, you probably Improvised. didn't write it down and became a composition. and Not at all. Just sold a million riffing copies. around. Just riffing. Yeah. So any even, you know, riffing music can be a lifeline. And, and you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that they've identified the song, you know, it's like Kate Bush running up the hill. Okay, so we right. know that. But, you know, maybe that doesn't work for me. Maybe I just need somebody to you know, riff on the guitar or something. Right. I mean, like, think about, like, sometimes the simplicity of all you need is, like, this, like um, uh, some humming a really, like, a lullaby that you don't even know yeah. what it is. And it brings you back to, like, you know, like, one or two years old and your mother or somebody, or your grandmother or something is, is singing to you. And you feel that deep sense of security and safety and love and all that. And that that's what helps you in that moment. It's just somebody humming. You know, it can be anything you do not need to be a musician to have that uh, experience at all exactly right that's that's so incredible because we don't really know anything about the stranger kids stranger things kids like right. they're not we don't know if they're musical or not who knows but they all listen we all did you know i have my walkman <laughs> right <laughs> I love the walkman. and um so it's they're conscious of music music is around them like it would be, would have been around any teenager at any point in history, I guess. Really? Yeah. You know, I mean, sure. Why not? Right. We just kind of relate to that as kids. The, the difference though, which is so curious to me is that in the experience you had with your friend, um, you were playing a more calming kind of a thing. Yeah. And he was terrified and it's obvious in stranger things that the, the, <laughs> the character in stranger things is also terrified at least to the outwards, but on the inward side, um, character is very brave and does the right thing. You know, mm -hmm. here's the music, gets the hell out of there. And um, that's a whole different scenario than the one where all you need is just somebody calm this down, right? Right. And um, it's amazing to me that music works both ways. Yeah. I'm a big advocate of like music for anger, like we talked about last time. Finding some anger music to let that consciousness 
flow through you instead of stuffing it inside. Mm -hmm. um, there's none of that explanation in Stranger Things, which is fine. You don't need it. But you can see that the music rescues. And maybe it doesn't matter what kind of music it is, as long as it's something that you resonate for. I think so too, right? Because like in, in certain moments where I'm going down sometimes a, a not so great road uh, mentally or emotionally speaking, sometimes, and this is actually quite recently, I've thrown on, and I, I think I talked about this in the last episode too with anger, was I was throwing on some heavy dubstep and trap again. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, went, and I went back to this aggressive, heavy, hard-hitting music in a state where I normally would have probably put on something very soothing, some crystal bowls, some nice frequencies, whatever that would be. Um, not in this moment. I was actually like, it almost like felt like sometimes like, I'm like, you know, I want to, I actually want to dive more into this, this feeling right now. Uh, Cause there's something here to learn from. And I almost need to pump myself up. Like you're going into battle. Right. And, you know, I know that a lot of army uh, vets talk or just people in the army in general talk about music that they listen to, to literally pump them up for pretty terrifying and, and obviously high adrenaline, high aggression, uh, battle situations. You, you can't really get much more intense than that. And there's certain music that they listen to, to get into that zone. Um, just like athletes would before, um, you know, going on to the, uh, the field or the pitch or the arena or whatever sport they're playing. So, you know, that's another thing too, is where, you know, even though maybe you're in a, in a state where you're like, well, normally I'd want to really calm myself down here. Sometimes, again, you know, it, it just doesn't matter almost. It just depends on what you need in that moment. But sometimes you throw in something that almost is on the same level of what you're experiencing and it and it heightens it even more, but it, in a way that helps you somehow in that yes. situation, you know? Oh, I, I totally do. I mean, we've talked about this so much. It's it's incredible how you get that edge from music. You know, it's it's like the coach's pep talk before the big game. Same kind of effect, but without the words often, although a lot of music we play to amp up has got words to it. But um, I mean, this is why the pep band plays, you know, in the stands to keep people amped up. Oh my God. Music's huge in sports. You I mean, you don't, I, I, I've been conscious of that more later in life, like going to games and, you know, hockey, basketball, whatever sport it is. Yeah. And, you know, even just every time the, the whistle goes and there's a lull in the game, music, 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 you know, keep, Always. and, and I know there's other intentions behind that. Of course, it's like, keep you awake and alert so that the advertisements can keep running and keep pumping. <laughs> and, you know, it is a, it is that side of it too. But I think we also can all agree as well that it is to really pump up the audience, get you engaged. I mean, that, that the original version of that was the organ. Yeah, the know, pipe organ. The pipe organ, right? Da -da 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 yep. You know, whatever. Yep. And, uh, and it works, you know. And, those, and there's a reason why those still are played, you know, 100 years later at uh, sporting events because it works. It gets everyone amped. And guess what? When the crowd gets amped, the performers, the players, whatever. Oh, yeah, you feel it on amped. the field. Oh, totally my feel God. It. It's a, it is like... My limited experience with that in, in, in playing like high competitive sports when I was younger was it's like a drug. It was like amazing feeling when you get the whole crowd going when you do something awesome in the game and you're like, whoo, I am ready. Let's like your adrenaline is just pumping. It's powerful. It's really incredible the way that it works. And I mean, you feel sometimes the poor organist, they've got to choose all this music, right? Yeah. 
but they've got experience because they've been doing this a while. So they practiced at this. They know exactly what music is going to fit in exactly what situation. And mm-hmm. if they don't, they're going to make a pretty good guess, <laughs> you know? You know, they got the music for when the ref makes a bad call or the umpire makes a bad call. And they got the music that they're, you know, they know that the fans are going to be like, yeah, terrible yeah, yeah. call, man. Ter-, you yeah. know, or, or when they score a goal or they get a point or whatever. It's the same yeah. thing. There's different music for that. And yeah. it's, uh, it's a, again, when you just, when you know the right thing to play with for the, for the, for the people in that moment, that's where you get that synergy of, of energy where it almost like it, they're both strong on their own, but then together it becomes exponentially powerful. You guys have uh, walk-on music for, I know at least in baseball they do. I don't know if they have this in football, probably not in hockey, but you know, whenever a batter comes up, he's got his walk-on music and he's chosen uh, yeah. Classic that music, in baseball. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that that's like, Oh, this is so cool because you know, so-and-so is coming to the plate and we know exactly the mindset that they're in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, that's really powerful stuff. I mean, it wouldn't work if the organist chose the walk-on music. No, you know, as like just sort of out of out of your hat, pull whatever it is. You know, Chris Noble's coming to bat. What what is this walk on music? Well, who knows? <laughs> Let's just try. And so you know, they play yeah. something, but it's I, I love the intention that's behind that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just in my lifetime, I, I've watched that personal music intention sort of grow and grow and grow to the place where it's not just a fight song for the whole stadium. Now it's an individual tune or a clip that reminds us of the whole song mm. that's in that. Five second window when so and so comes to the plate, right? Oh yeah, that's that's incredible. Well, first of all, we have the technology, but isn't it great to hear your song? Oh, I can only imagine I mean, what, what right? that'd be like for the for the batters, you know. Like so, and I've always loved that with baseball that they had that touch, you know. Like yeah, and it, it really brings flavor for the you know some of the some of the the players who are not from North America, right? Like they, they pick their more like, you know, maybe a more Latin kind of song or something for a lot of the, you know, those players and like, and and you can, and you feel the culture and you feel them, their energy so much more palpably because of that choice of music. And you're like, Oh, this is great. You know, like what else? And then the next person's like, just like, it's like nineties hip hop or something. And it's just this whole eclectic mix, but it makes also the team feel, it's almost like, um, it is like in a film where, uh, especially with like a classic film score, like uh, in Star Wars or like those any John Williams, you know, score where there's a theme for every major character almost. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing on in the baseball where you got a theme for every player, which especially for the home team really gives the fans even more character to latch on to with the players. And, you know, of course, that's it's only adding to the experience. Right. And, you know, imagine my surprise because I had been to baseball games in forever. But the first time I noticed that, it's like, wow, so that guy listens to the same music I do, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, and, also that. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a camaraderie there, uh, obviously a team building thing. If you're a fan, you've got an immediate click that's a connection. Um, if you happen to listen to the same music, sometimes you don't, you know? Sometimes you're like, well, what the heck are you listening to that for? <laughs> so this is a much better song, right? Mm. But uh, of course, the reason is close to your heart. So you listen, you choose what's you know close to your heart. Yeah, I don't know if those change. I don't go to games enough, but I don't know if they change throughout the season. Like you might get to a point where you're in a slump or something. Like the, your old tune just isn't doing it, so you superstitiously change it up, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's it goes for anything in life. Like, and I do use music for that a lot. Where. I'll be. I I got one piece of music for one really thing I'm loving in, in life, and then all of a sudden things shift and change as they do always in life. And 
all of a sudden you're like, yeah, that song's just not doing it for me anymore. Right, <laughs> I gotta, right. I got to change it up. Yeah, I got to evolve. I, I need a new one that's going to get me going now. And it's just the old one's not doing it. So you cycle through these things. And, and it just goes back to, one, knowing what music works for you and, and having that more intentional way of, look, we can always fall back into just appreciating and enjoying music for what it is. Great. That's fine. But it is fun to here and there add that intention to the music that you're listening to because it really can do so many things like enhance existing situations, pump you up for things that you need to be pumped up for. If you've got a big business presentation or you've got a big lecture that you're giving or whatever the situation is, you know, like it doesn't have to be sports or um, something more dramatic, but uh, it, it really could be, my God, it could be having a really uh, difficult conversation with a loved one, perhaps even. You could listen yeah. to music that maybe calms you down, gets you more into a love state that you're not going to just have an angry call. You're going to have a more you know, centered around respect and love or something and listen to something that brings you into that state. I mean, you can obviously apply it to anything, but it, it is something I've, again, I've learned a lot through you, Bill, is, is listening with intention to specific music that you know has that effect on you just a little bit of attention intention changes the whole thing Big it's time. just like magically but it's more powerful than magic you know what i mean it's just introducing that little thing of course uh -huh. there's also time to introduce silence oh big time yeah. right mm -hmm. so um one of the moments of tension in this stranger things episode is the rest of them have to decide what the right song is wow right and they're just scrambling they're like what is it what is it you know, what's the favorite song? What do we use? Right. And, and it's really, um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of laughing about it now, but that, that marvelous moment when you know that there's something you can do, but you're not ex sure exactly what music to pick mm. and, uh, who knows if they pick the right music or not. I mean, later on, you're going to learn more about this and I won't give that away, but it's really in, it, it's so well done to introduce that kind of tension too, like what music does Chris need right now? And, and to tie this into your story where you were talking about how you just sort of picked up the guitar and riff for your friend, um, it's inspired. I think there's, a, there's no other way to say it. You can make a lucky guess, but it doesn't have to be a lucky guess. You know, It can be an inspired thing where in that moment, your consciousness is in alignment with what's, what your friend needs. I'm not gonna say empath, but it's like that. You know, if you know your friend well enough, you, you know what to do. And it's not like you intellectually know what to do. You just are in the moment and the right music comes to you. You know, um, I've had that happen so many times, like playing the piano of all places at Nordstrom, hmm. where I'm just playing something and, you know, I don't know why I'm playing it. Somebody will come up and say, that's, that's exactly the song I wanted to hear. And um, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Great. You know. I, I don't know that that's marketable in any sense, but I've, I fully believe that if you're in music, there's some other sort of guiding um, force, force. Yeah. Power awareness. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't feel like, Oh, I'm obviously choosing to play. It's like, Oh, well, I'll play this now, but I'm not going and like, what are the people in the store walking around right now want to hear? Right. That's definitely not what I'm thinking as I'm sitting there playing, but there is a feeling that's like, oh, this is the right song. And oftentimes it'll just sort of pop into, into my mind. And so I play it next. And more often than not, you know, that particular insight, awareness, whatever is followed 
few minutes later by somebody coming up and saying something about the music I just played. Um, <laughs> I've had the other kind too, man, where they come up and say, you know what? You don't need to be playing here anymore. You're too loud. Stop playing, oh. you know, ragtime. <laughs> the, amount, the amount of times I've heard, can you just turn it down a little bit? I'm like, yeah. Mm, depends. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather this, I was playing one time. I mean, literally, I'm, stand, I'm, I'm sitting at the nine-foot Steinway Grand Piano, and somebody came up behind me because the escalator is to my right, so lots of people going by, and grabbed my arms, just pulled my arms off the keys. Wow. And I had two immediate moments of consciousness. The first one was to do, you know, deck the guy, just reach back, just bam. And the second one was <laughs> to remember I'm who I am, the, yeah. and where I am. <laughs> I'm with you on the first one. <laughs> you know, talk about triggering. Oh, man. That, that, yeah. oh. you get all kinds. But hey, you music, music is powerful. This, this guy thought he was going to have some fun. Great. It wouldn't have happened without the music. I hope he had fun. And the people that were with him laughed. Cool. Right. Great. No harm, no foul. I'm okay. He's okay. In a brief interruption in the, in the music that would have happened anyway if somebody had come on the loudspeaker and wanted to page somebody. It would have been the same thing. So, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess it's, and it's just, I think, uh, man, for me, like the, as a, as a musician, the triggers of being told to be quiet or noise complaints, which happen so often. All the time. Still, all the time to this day. And, and just the, the balance that you have to sometimes find where you're like, all right, but at the same time, like where, you know, it's funny how other uh, professions, you know, um, if, I, if I've got a cha- like a chainsaw going off in the backyard <laughs> dur- throughout the whole day, no one's going to come over and complain. <laughs> or a jackhammer. <laughs> or a jackhammer, construction, construction. I mean, there's noise all the time. No one... They complain, but no, they never do anything about it, and they never go up to the place and be like, "Can you?" And like, if they do, they're just told to shut up usually, and then they have to take it and not do anything with it. It's so funny with music that it's like very common that people are just like, "Ah, can you keep it down?" I'm like, "Well, I do this for a living. Where else? When else can I do this?" You know, and that's the funny, the balance, and that's obviously like, I think it's a trigger for a lot of musicians because we're told so often to just pipe down and you're like, well, how else do I practice? I'm, I remember once I actually ended up one of the final straws of where I got evicted for sound and noise complaints. <laughs> I've, I've been evicted twice for noise issues. Right on. Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'll admit in that those days in my 20s, I was definitely a lot more rebellious. And when I got the noise complaints, I was like, all right, well, F you. And I'm going to keep playing <laughs> well, maybe more loudly now just to spite you. And exactly. so I, I definitely had it coming. But I remember once I, I got a severe noise complaint because I – and I tried to actually work with the people here. And I, I had an electric keyboard. I put my, my headphones on. So it was only coming through the headphones. And they complained about the tap. Yeah, the yeah. tapping of my, my fingers on the keys. That's what they complain about. So I was like, all right, I just got to get out of this building. <laughs> yeah, this is just not happening. <laughs> it's clearly not working, you know, so it's funny. <laughs> There's so much, uh, I guess, I'll say this a different way. Aren't the levels of consciousness beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> Don't they make life far more colorful and, and, and interesting and entertaining, yeah. you know? Especially for those of us who are making noise on purpose, right? Oh, you know, I uh, there's a great Far Side comic. Um, it's a for those listening, Far Side. I think it's a pretty old comic. Um, 
from I don't know how long ago, many decades at this point. It's a pretty old one, and there's a one um, just it's like a one picture with a quick little blurb comic. And my dad always loved this one. He showed it to me, and it was God, you know, with the Earth like Earth is just this ball on a table, and he's um, got a jar and it's labeled idiots and he's sprinkling, <laughs> sprinkling idiots <people. laughs> or, or jerks and stuff onto onto the earth and the caption below is just to make it interesting <laughs> i'm with you on that you know <laughs> and i'm like there it's it is more interesting that way <laughs> it is it, you know it's there's something for everyone in this music thing i i love the fact that even the simplest one note you know, kind of music can change everything. And I guess there's situations where that's appropriate. I mean, maybe singing the Ulm inside the pyramids, right? You're oh. not going to, you're getting too much of, a, of an echo to do anything complex with melody. Yeah, one note's all you need. It's all you need. And the overtones take care of the rest. Great. Uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, not, nothing scientific or fancy about Stranger Things, the irony, of course, is that the character's listening in a headset, so nobody else can hear the music. And, um, and I don't think anybody else is really aware of exactly what's happening. Obviously, they find out later. But uh, even that very personal thing. And, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't write scripts for, uh, for a living, but it's really cool that they made it so individual and allowed just one person's experience to change because of the introduction of music, you know? Powerful. I'm wondering if the, you know, and I don't know, I've never been in that kind of a terrifying situation where the music that I remember gets me out of it. And the one terrifying situation I was in, I had music in my headphones on purpose. So I was actually able to hear it. Um, even when I fell asleep and was out of it, I could still hear it playing. But um, I don't know, the, the, so nuanced. I'm thinking of that movie, uh, I think it's called Alive Inside, the one you're referring to with Oliver Sacks. I've seen that clip oh, of, of the, yeah. the old black guy, they put yeah. on a headset and yeah. he just comes alive. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that is such a beautiful sort of coming alive. It's not a rescue in the same sense. It's like but reanimation. It, yeah, it's a re, yeah, it's a reanimation. It's crazy. And um, the fact that that I'm sure this stuff is not lost on the writers for Stranger Things. So to bring it in that way and offer sort of the next level experience mm. on that, we like to think of music as being like the soothing things that makes it all happy and joyous and whatever. And and um, I think it's brave of them to have taken it to the next level and said, okay, in this dark place, let's see how music works or right. offer what we can guess might be a reasonable explanation of it, but it's very compelling. And to the point where it just, it really gets you in the heart to watch this sequence happen. Mm. One of the most uh, beautiful, terrifying moments <laughs> of that show. And, and there've been lots of terrifying moments. And uh, obviously there are in this particular season as well. But um, just to tag into the end, the Duffers are, Duffer brothers are doing a lot with isolating music all the way through. And so I'm curious to see how this theme continues throughout the series, mm -hmm. which we haven't finished watching yet. 
but there'll be moments where they're like, they pan through a room and the camera will stop on a phonograph that's playing a piece of music and then we'll continue, right? Wow. You know, so there's, there's a real intentional thing to their use of music in this particular uh, season of the show. We'll yeah. have to revisit this after we've both seen it and see what we think. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, after talking to you now, I'm like, can't not watch it. <laughs> I got to Well, <laughs> I got to go in there and uh... Yeah, be careful. It'll it'll um it's terrifying. Chris, it's terrifying. Yeah, they do it, a good it, job with that. It's really amazing. I wish we had a giant screen, you know, flat screen TV where we could see everybody life size or something. But. It's so it's so well put together that show. I mean, the first season's still my favorite. It's just like one of the best movie yeah. slash. I mean, it's a TV show, but it really plays like a film. And the the music is just the the written music, the comp- composed music is just as good as the um, chosen music, which is just brilliantly brilliantly chosen as well. Oh yeah, and they weave them together just. Marvelous, marvelously, and um, I just love how even with the composed music, it'll sometimes tie into physical things happening on the screen, like when the lights, the light bulbs that she puts together to kind of communicate with her son on the upside down or um, on the other side of reality. Um, they light up and the music moves with the lights lighting up. And it's, I mean, that's, we've seen this many times in film, things getting synced up to the music, but it's, it's because it works and using music, you know, like the Looney Tunes, the way that every note, every action of the character has a musical action as well. And the power that that has is, is always pretty profound. Uh, You don't need it in every film. Actually, some films benefit from silence, like, no Country for Old Men. I always loved that film because yeah. there was literally no score, no music ever yeah. in that film. And and getting back to what you said, sometimes silence is so important. But of course, there's really no such thing as silence because even in um, – yeah, I've gone into some of those like sound, not just in a studio, but like actually like at science centers and stuff, science worlds or whatever that where you have some of those booths that they've tried to like make it as quiet as humanly possible so that you're in like yep. negative yep. decibel land or something. And um, – you still hear things because what you make sound, your body, your heart, your lungs, like that's making sound. So there's no such real thing as there's no sound, but it's more that instead of listening to music, you're listening to wind or birds chirping or kids playing in the playground down the street or whatever. And that actually, I find there's quite a lot of times I'm outside and I I consciously take the headphones out um, and I just need to take in a couple of blocks of just ambience and and just not listen to music because I think it can be used as a crutch a lot of the time too. And we can over, you can definitely like anything in life, you can overdo it. You can definitely over listen to music, over stimulate yourself. And that has its own consequences too. So, you know, Use it intentionally, but also uh, take time to to be in silence. And by silence, it's just listening to the nature, listening to what's around you. I suspect consciousness is a is sensory deprived of all of the physical senses. Like if you were to say, "What is consciousness?" You'd start by turning off all the five senses, you know, and Probably. then seeing what your awareness has for you, <laughs> and go from there, right? And wandering into that place, which must be pretty quiet, although or is it? Or but or like, and then then you have to get into what is quiet. Yeah, know? what is internally? <laughs> what what's the internal music? You know that happens in that. Place. The symphony of the cosmos. I mean, I, I've heard things right? that like you. There's this music of 
the universe um, yeah. that you know planets have their own frequencies that are getting emitted all the time and maybe once you take out the five senses which are actually quite 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 limited um they're you fun know, the frequency they're fu- range is kind of narrow oh my god like just the things range. that we can hear is tiny like 20 to twenty thousand hertz or whatever like that's nothing and then the visible light spectrum is like one percent of what is actually going on out there so probably if anything you turn off all the five senses and just go into consciousness you might <laughs> be getting way more than you ever would have got in this um physical body yeah we're Maybe. pretty limited receptors I would say so. I feel like if anything, if once we're back out of our bodies and, and our, if we're just our consciousness, I think we'll be uh, taking in a lot more information. <laughs> Gosh, I hope so. I mean, dark matter, right? It's it's like the oceans. It's way more present than land. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Big time. And I don't know how they measure that in the universe, but maybe it's the space between all the stuff we can see is the dark matter. And there's a lot of that. Oh, my God. There's more of that than anything else. I, I think we don't know what makes up but 94 percent of the mass of the whole universe that makes sense something like crazy man it's just just about the same as like you said the oceans we we know more about mars than we do (laughs) of our own oceans which is kind of absurd when you think about that yeah it's like well there's too many analogies for that that i won't go into (laughs) (laughs) and yes and yes so are we going to advocate for uh, music as a as a peacekeeping tool, like if somebody is pointing a gun at you and you say, so what's the song on your heart right now? Is that a better intervention than drawing down and shooting back? Yeah. I mean, I think we've seen this in, in history. Music has been used definitely to advocate for peace. I mean, there's, I've heard um, in some documentaries, people say like music and musicians or artists are the, are the prophets and they're the people that, you know, in a lot of ways can bring, um, new ideas uh, in times of uh, a lot of um, discourse and um, yeah. r- you know divide and and uh, trouble and violence and uh, you know even having people singing uh, at like protests versus yelling and screaming and rioting uh, has much 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 more profound and and actually you know more long lasting effects. I mean I've heard arguments that the uh, bands like the Beatles helped bring down the Berlin Wall. You know it wasn't just the acts, uh, the acts of people um, actually physically tearing down the wall, but what needed to happen before that was music to inspire them to be to break free of those um, confines. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's a time and a place for all these different things. I'm not going to say that sometimes you don't need to de- literally just defend yourself because I think that'd be also naive to say that 100% of the time you don't need to ever have uh, defense for your own well-being. I'm can think of many times where that's probably necessary, but it also doesn't mean that music isn't extraordinarily powerful and and definitely uh, useful for bringing peace, bringing um, bringing people's anger and aggression down by a certain degree in any situation, even smaller situations. Like I remember as a fun example, I'll get you know I was visiting my family last summer, and I love my family very much, but I'm usually I'm definitely like a black the black sheep of the family, so I think I see things very differently than they do, and usually runs into some fun arguments. And I was in one with my dad, and we got to a point where you know you get to those points in arguments where you're like, okay, well what else can we say? We're both on such opposite sides. And, you know, is there really any point in continuing? So I would 
take that hint and just go like, all right, so um, what song do you want to play? And then, you know, pick, he picks up his bass and I, I pick up the guitar and, and we play a, a Beatles song, for example, or something and play Let It Be. And after that song, we're like, wait, were we, were we arguing about something? <laughs> like, I, I kind of forgot what that was. I had such a great time playing that song. I, <laughs> I, I am now in, in another state of consciousness. So um, the anger has dissipated significantly. And, and, and now we're actually bonding over something that we have in common, which I think yes. everyone has music in common. Well, when, you, when you strip away all the other stuff, it's a great place to start the bonding exercise, you know? But nothing else is connecting you. I agree. Yeah. Uh, play a know, tune. Play a tune. Or or put on a piece of music if you don't yeah. play. Of course. Uh, yeah. Put put on something that you can share in the room, you know? And, and you're like, hey, check out this happens. new song. I heard this really cool, uh, fun, you know, re- remake of a Ellen John song, which I did hear recently. It's really, really catchy. Cool. Um, you know, and just something like that. Like, hey, like you just you inject a little music into the situation. Holy cow. You know, on, on other small levels too. And this is maybe something we should talk about in another episode because the amount of um, experience I've had where, you know, let's say you're at a, an event of any kind and there's no music going on, then you just put on just even just something with a bit of life, like maybe some Motown or some nice R&B in the background. And then all of a sudden you can he- you feel the conversations just all of a sudden get way more exciting and interesting. And everyone's like, you know, and the energy is just boom, like exponentially increased in this party or in this at this event just because music was added to the just to the background not to the foreground. No one's even really listening to it, but it's there. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, you know, energy and, and having a great time. And all of a sudden, it's a party now. And all you did was add music to the equation. I find that so fun to, I see it all the time. <laughs> I agree with you about that because there's so many restaurants where they're not really paying attention to the music. And sometimes it'll stop like for a while until somebody gets around to it and goes and starts another playlist or something. But there are also the very intentional restaurants, right? Where they're on it, they're like making sure that the mood is this, you know, and they've just, they've got it dialed in. And those are my places, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, and that's so thank you music, because I think there's a, it indicates, if nothing else, a sort of an audit trail of how consciousness has shifted. I love that you mentioned the Berlin Wall and the, potential for the Beatles, well, potential for all music, having yeah. been part of the change of consciousness that's taken place between, I don't know, the end of the Cold War and now, which here we are again, right, in some yeah. other kind of strange conflict. But um, but music is working. There was some, mm-hmm. I don't know, some live event with a classical piano player from the Ukraine uh, who was doing, just talking about, you know, music in the Ukraine and, and what that's like. And, you know, well attended. People are curious. They want to know, right? What is it like to be a musician right now? Yeah. Over there. And, um, and I love that awareness. I just love that awareness. I, who cares about the quality of music? It's gone way beyond whether you like the music or not, right? It's, yeah. it's gone to this place where it's like, oh, you know, we, we're way more accepting of our own sort of preferences than we used to be, which is also really cool. You know, and we're all, of course, all still struggling to find the ideal song, right? That's there's always a quest. Ad- admit it. And if you're listening to this right now, you're looking for that perfect song, right? It's out there. And otherwise, we'd stop listening and say, "No, I'm I'm fine. Beethoven is as good as it gets." 
<laughs> and I think we can agree that uh, who wants the perfect song? I mean, that, that would be kind of boring. Again, oh, wouldn't if, it? If, yeah, it'd be so. If you didn't have the crazy people in the world making the crazy world, it wouldn't be as interesting. If you didn't have uh, and the next greatest song or something to to, to one up the last one, then again, what would be the pursuit of? Uh, being a music uh, nerd like we are or just a, an appreciator or uh, whatever i mean i think that's the that's part of the fun too is finding that new song that just like oh right i love this this is this is great like that that first time you hear it is always a really great experience you know i wish that we could all like do a memory wipe so we could experience that first song or first movie Anytime we wanted to, but as if we'd never heard or seen it before. I've felt that many times. You know, that means, that's like, if, if there, if we should, okay, maybe we should just delete that from the. <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't that be great to have that kind of control? Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, I get to reread Harry Potter, but not reread it, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes, you could just experience the whole thing for the, or the Lord of the Finally. Rings, anything, Lord of the... right? <laughs> Stranger Things. <laughs> Oh man! Although it's been such a long time, you know. <clears throat> anyway, I'm glad that the latest season is out and uh, that everybody's yeah, we'll been watching it. We'll get them to sponsor our, our next episode. <laughs> Why not? Because now I want to watch it, so it's wor- it's working. It's good uh, marketing. <laughs> oh, it is so cool! You will um, you will laugh, you will cry. I mean, mm. it is just so incredibly well done. I love yeah, and it's only what fantastic. the 80s. How long ago? The 80s weren't that long ago, and and yet you can see how we've shifted as a culture so much, you know, since the eighties in really good ways and also some pretty screwed up ones, but okay. Yep. So fine. We're learning, you know, as a we're civilization, we're, yeah. we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. It's, it's good. It's good. That's you know, funny. we should probably wrap this up. So I'm, I won't spoil any more of stranger things for you, but watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Those You're listening and myself will be yeah. watching it. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's, it's a great way to, and I'm not going to say waste. It's a great way to engage with art. Mm. Wow. Have, you and I love the same movies. And, and Stranger Things has that amazing combination of writing and visuals and music and just, oh, it's acting. It's, I was going to say the cast is fantastic. Oh, yeah, they're I amazing. Mean, so uh, yeah. well worth the, what does Netflix cost? But well worth whatever the price <laughs> is you're paying for Netflix right now. 11 bucks a month? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever, whatever it is. You know, it's it's worth it. And go Netflix, you know, to keep to keep giving us great stuff. Yeah, you know what? Like uh I, I, I need my I need my conscious content that get gets my brain going and, and, and lights me up spiritually. And then I need my sometimes more unconscious content, which I can find more readily on Netflix. And I think that's important too. Sometimes yeah. you just gotta turn off that brain. And Stranger Things I don't think falls into that. It's very uh you're in it and it's and it's it's lighting up a lot of things. So it's 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 very high caliber entertainment certainly there's a lot of heart and soul and, and lessons and, and ideas going on there but i mean in general netflix typically is something that a lot of us kind of zone out to but you know what there's nothing wrong with zoning out every now and then we we need to break our brains and our hearts and conscious need to freaking break from all the craziness so oh, thank you netflix for the for the for the break from reality yes. for a little bit <laughs> brought to you by this is discussions of music healing and consciousness <laughs> Sponsored by Netflix. <laughs> oh, please. Hello. Hello. <laughs> or Disney Plus, whatever, whichever one. Whichever one know. will be fine. Whichever one you want to do. I don't Never. know. If this, is this a family show? What do you think, Chris? <laughs> uh, you know, it's for all ages, but I, I think we've been swearing a decent amount on some of these episodes. So I think yeah, for plus that we reason talk alone. about, you know, illegal substances and 
So for that reason alone, this is not a family show. <laughs> yeah, it's not a family show. But it is a Netflix sponsorable show. If you're listening, Netflix. That's for sure. Looking for an activity. We're we're Absolutely. happy to to align with you and <laughs> promote your content. Provide you that Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thanks, Bill. I think that's a great that's a great thing to talk about, and I uh, I'm really now inspired to watch Stranger Things, but also just to to bring back more of that intentionality with music and and really, you know, I think a fun thing that people can walk away with is one: Do you dream music ever? Question mark Because I don't actually really know, and I, I'm gonna have to like now pay a bit more attention. Like, where does music come up in my dreams? That's really cool. So I'll, yeah. I'll report back on the next episode about that. And just a nice reminder for the audience, you know, bring that intention back into music and see where it takes you. What are those songs that bring you to very, very vivid places, whether it's, you know, getting pumped up for something really important, whether it's calming down from something really intense, whatever it is, you know, let us know what songs really, really seem to work in shifting your consciousness and getting you to a, a different place or enhancing, I guess, a, a current state. Sure. Yeah. Or if you've got a lifeline song, you know, that, Oh yeah. That's, yeah. you know, when you, you're at the end of your rope and you tie a knot and hang on, that's, you got a song like that. Or, uh, or, and I'll, we can branch it a little bit out. Cause I think for me, uh, movies or TV shows or books that are also lifelines. I'm, I'd be curious to hear Cause I, I know for me, Lord of the Rings is the, the movies have been like a lifeline I have used, uh, and of course, the music in those films plays a huge role. But um, I'd be curious at what art keeps you guys going when times get really tough. And I think we can all have related on that over the last couple of years. Certainly, we've had so many ups and downs collectively as a, as a human species that uh, we we all need the help of things like art to keep us sane. <laughs> truly, truly well said. And a good plug for all the visual artists who are out there, too, because... As great as music is, <laughs> pull it all together. You know, movies, sculpture. Yeah, we, we need it all. Painting. It's all. The written word, spoken word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been enough to keep us um, keep us connected over yeah. the course of the... And it's not just social media. It's fine. Social media, we'll talk about it. But I love the fact that we connect with music in this world. Me too. It's, it's so precious. And... Um, and, and, and here we are. We get to talk about it. <laughs> I can't help but say, like, my precious. <laughs> oh, right. There was a reason I used that word, wasn't there? <laughs> so the rings, it's in there. <laughs> I wish I could somehow make our entire Zoom session sort of spin upside down right now, just slowly, <laughs> you know, like rotate slowly. Oh, for those oh. listening, we've, we're always doing these on Zoom, and now I'm thinking of Stranger Things again because that's exactly what that would look like. We're moving into the upside down <laughs> and getting darker, you know, and sinister. Yes, very sinister. Yeah. <laughs> so before that happens, uh, thank you all for listening. Yes, thanks everybody. Thank you for listening in on our conversation and for taking time to show your appreciation with a like, share, or subscribe. Discussions of music, healing, and consciousness is a practice of spontaneity, and we welcome your comments, ideas, and questions. There are ways to connect with us in the show notes, so let us hear from you. Until next time, this is Bill Protzman along with Chris Noble wishing you great musical health. Samara Huchaya!